guys, welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and today we are so excited to have speech and language experts Brooke and Bridget here to chat with us. As speech pathologists, Brooke and Bridget, also known as the Speech Sisters, have more than 20 years of combined experience. They have diagnosed and treated hundreds of children with a variety of communication disorders and delays and are passionate about helping guide parents to help their children talk. Today, we'll be chatting about the best tips and tricks to get your baby talking. We will discuss some practical tips to integrate speech and language techniques into everyday routines. We are thrilled to dive in, so let's welcome Brooke and Bridget to learn more. Hi, ladies. We're so happy to have you guys on our podcast, Chick Chat. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. Thanks. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Brooke and Bridget, we'd love to learn a little bit more about both of your experiences. That's always how we like to start podcasts because we're so familiar as you guys being the speech sisters. But can you tell us a little bit about each of you, like your backgrounds in speech pathology and how that led you to where you are today? Absolutely. So we're actually sisters. Mm -hmm. We are both speech and language pathologists, and we are moms to five kiddos combined. I have two. And I have three. And I guess... I guess, well, I'm the older sister. This is Brooke. I guess I kind of started the journey. I started in special education and I'm two years older. So when I was in undergrad for special education, Bridget was an undergrad for speech speech pathology. pathology. And then I got out of school and became a teacher and she got out of school and said, I'm going to do something completely different. Well, I went back to grad school for speech and then couple years later, she she followed suit and did the yes. same. <laughs> Brooke convinced me to, to join suit. So I followed her and we're so happy to be in the same career and profession today. We were living on opposite sides of the country and in 2010, Brooke moved over to California where I was. And when she did, I said, we have to open a private practice. So we did in 2012 and we've been running a private practice here in Manhattan Beach, California. And since then, and we specialize in early intervention, specifically a lot of parent education in early intervention and work with a lot of late talkers. And that's kind of our jam and that's what we've been doing. And I would say about three years ago, we decided to take things digital and take our teachings and our lessons that we do when we go in home and bring them to parents across the globe. Yeah. That led us to Instagram and we thought we want to, we want to, this is not a secret. We want to get it out there that like parents have so much power when it comes to helping their children learn to communicate. So that was the start of Speech Sisters. What a powerful story and how awesome that you obviously, being sisters, sometimes a sister relationship is, you know, hit or miss. And that it sounds like you guys hit the pot of gold. So that's so awesome that you can work together and still be sisters. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. We're lucky. Is that, I was going to say, people ask me that all the time. Nina, how do you work with your husband? How do you make that work? And I'm like, yeah, I don't recommend it to everybody. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> for a sisters, do you, are you guys, you know, how? How is that? Is it the same or different or how is that? 
great. It's great. I am the younger sister, Bridget, and I'm the boss. She just does what I tell her to do, and that (laughs) works well for us. (laughs) We are like very different personalities, but I think we level each other out, so it's good. I am always the voice of reason. This is true. true. It's so true because siblings, as you look at your children, I'm sure it's the same. Your kids are so different from each other, from one another. You're like, oh man, my first child compared to this. So anyway, that's so beautiful. I thank you for sharing that story. And I'm curious in your experiences, what are the most common speech issues in babies and young children? You've worked with so many people in your private practice, and I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands, probably thousands, let's be honest, of people have reached out to you saying this or that about their kids. What what are the most common speech issues that you're seeing? Well, with Babies and toddlers, we see a lot of late talkers. So a late talker is a child who is meeting receptive language milestones, so meaning they are able to understand language as they should for their age, but their expressive language is a little bit delayed. So they're not they're not saying as many words as they should at at a given age. And we even saw an increase during the pandemic with this. Um, You know, a lot of children were coming into our private practice or doing therapy virtually and just across the board speaking to colleagues that there was an uptick in late talkers. So I think about 15% of toddlers around two years of age are, are considered late talkers. But many times those children can catch up. It's all about a parent or caregiver knowing what to do at home, how to speak to their child with the intent of building their language. Right. And that's what we do. And that's so beautiful and wonderful that you guys see that. And and to me, I just think, oh, it's the lack of socialization, the masks covering their mouth, not seeing those words. So that it makes so much sense that you you point that out. Oh my goodness. What communication milestones do you think that parents should be on the lookout for, for their child to achieve correct milestones? If a child isn't hitting those milestones, what steps yeah, should they be taking to help? We say that parents should always be aware of what the milestones are, both for, you know, for communication in general, receptive and expressive language. For example, can your child follow a simple command or is your child able to say 50 words or put two words together at the age of 24 months? So there are there are so many different communication milestones. And it's really just about knowing what they are and when they should be met. And if they're not, knowing what to do at that point. So we have a free communication milestone checklist actually on our website and then also our link in bio on Instagram. And that can be so helpful for parents just to see the different age ranges. And like Brooke was saying, what children should be meeting receptively, so that's understanding language, and then expressively for how they express themselves, either verbally or non-verbally. And if a child is not meeting those communication milestones, and again, a milestone is typically what about 90% of children are able to do. So if a child's not meeting that, then we want to make sure that we are following the right steps to get them early intervention. And what a parent can do at that point is reach out to their child's pediatrician, or they could reach out directly to a speech and language pathologist. We always tell parents, you know your child best, go with your gut, follow your instincts, because a lot of times parents will just wait and they wait it out. And it's not a lost cause at that point, but you don't ever want to miss that early time to kind of jump in and intervene. 
And I saw you guys on Instagram when the new AAP guidelines came out. Can you guys touch on that? Yeah, you guys are both nodding. So I want our (laughs) listeners to know what we're talking about. But I, I feel like this is kind of letting parents continue the waiting game because it's now decreased. So yes, can you tell us a little bit about that and your thoughts? Yeah, we actually just put a blog out on this like two days ago, or maybe it was yesterday. So you can definitely check that out to get like the full story. But yeah, the CDC, they they changed some things in terms of developmental milestones kind of across the board. So not just for speech communication, but for motor and, and all different things. I think their intent was good. But at the same time, they lowered some of the expectations. So for example... I think it's important to say the intent was good because it allows pediatricians to kind of flag things a little bit more quickly. And the the goal was to eliminate that wait and see so that if a child's not meeting this for 24 months, go, go to early intervention rather than saying, well, let's wait and see it for a few months. So that was more the intention. But when they did this, they lowered Mm -hmm. some of those expectations. So we oftentimes like for children to be saying a minimum of 50 words at 24 months. And that was lowered to 30 months old. And that's very concerning to us. Very concerning because they didn't change anything at the preschool age. So kids are still expected to do what they're expected to do as they get older. And yet they're pushing the bar back for toddlers. So it it doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And that's concerning. And what do you then recommend parents do in that situation? Do they listen to those guidelines? Do they what do they do? Well, the Mayo Clinic has not changed theirs as well as the American Speech and Hearing Association, so we are sticking with the prior guidelines yes. and milestones and recommendations and we just feel like the earlier the better to intervene and support a child for early intervention. So, parent can obviously make that choice of who they yeah. want to go with and listen to for recommendations, but ultimately we, we just say go with your gut. If uh-huh. you feel like your child you're concerned in any way, whatever your child's age is, what however many words they do or do not have, seek out help. Seek out an expert get to the bottom of it, get an evaluation. It does. It cannot hurt. We've never had a parent come to us and say, God, I regret getting help so early for my <laughs> right. child. Never, no, right, never right. once. But we've heard many times, I wish I would have gotten help sooner. So if a parent can take that as the takeaway, I think that speaks yeah. a million words right there. That really does. That really does. And I believe exactly what you say. A parent's gut just knows, knows when something is off, knows when something just, ah, something's not right. And I just need to talk to someone. But then they're like, who do I reach out to? And that's why I think it's so special to have resources like y'all, because then they can say, okay, they probably have a list or a number or someone that I can reach out to in my area because maybe my pediatrician doesn't have some, I don't know, usually pediatricians are up to date on all of that stuff too, but just more resources. And so we're so grateful for you guys shedding light on all of this. But Brooke and Bridget, how, how early can parents start implementing speech strategies in their daily routines? I mean, I think it's day one, but I don't know. What do you, what is it? <laughs> Yeah, day one, really. I mean, we always say get the feeding down, get the try to get the sleep down. Those are like essential those first few months. But at the same time, 
talk to your baby, talk to them from the day you bring them home. And then really, it's even more important as your little one, your baby becomes more alert and more aware, then you really want to bring in that language and you really want to talk through the things that you're doing during your day and that they're doing. You want to give gestures and model things and show what you're talking about so you can bring meaning to words. There's really so much that a parent can do. And those are such great things just immediately that you can do with your baby. Because I think parents are always like, well, what do I do with this little being? So, and how can I help them support with their development? And that's, that's wonderful. And parents, you know, they often feel helpless when their kids cannot talk. I know that my son, at first I was a little concerned. I was like, okay, is he not saying enough words? Because, you know, it's just hard to, it's hard to understand what their wants and needs are when they're not able to fully express themselves. So, for you, what advice would you give parents in this phase? Yeah, it can be it can be scary if your little one's not meeting communication milestones or even if they are meeting those milestones, uh, but they're just not clearly articulating, yes. so it's hard to understand them. So there are quite a few things that we can do. If you're not understanding what your child needs and wants, you can try to give them choices. You can ask them to show you and lead you to the item. You can take your best guess. Really just kind of giving your child the benefit of the doubt and trying to meet them on their level. And, and then modeling those words for them. So what yes. it, once you do figure out what it is that they want, trying to take some of that frustration away by by giving them the words. And even when you do that, like get down on their level so that they can see how you are talking and how you're producing those words with the, and maybe they might attempt to imitate. Yeah. Those, that's fantastic. Because I noticed that it's so funny with my son and my daughter, again, so different, different little people. And I'm sure you guys had the same experiences with your kids, but what works for one sometimes doesn't work for the other. So you get caught of like, oh, what can I do? Because this isn't working this time around. So that that's super, super helpful. And I'm curious for both of you, if you had any struggles also with your kiddos and talking, I highly doubt it. I'm sure you guys were on top of it from the beginning. But for parents who are struggling, how would you describe the process of getting that child to talk, you know, when that parent is struggling to get those words out? It's funny that you just mentioned that because like we said, we have five children yeah. combined and they were all early talkers. And we just had many friends and family members who would say, oh, you know, it's just because you're speech pathologists or you're the speech sisters and that's why. And we were like, I mean, yes, it's because we know how to speak to them with the intent of building their language. And that's what we do each and every day during the daily routines that we do with them. But we also believe that most parents are capable of doing the same thing. And the process of that is talking to your child, like Brooke was mm -hmm. saying, and we can kind of give some of those tips actually, you know, in a few minutes and kind of get in depth about those. But yeah. there are definitely some steps that you can take from the beginning to help your child. We call it climb up that language ladder and meet those communication milestones. Oh, good. So then struggling parents out there who are listening, like, there are some steps that you can take to get your child to start talking. And it doesn't have to be like 
so intimidating. I think that's another thing is like parents are like, oh my gosh, I now have to read like 20 books a day and I have to do these 30 minute exercises or whatever it is, you know, or I have to like massage their mouth and you know, what all these things that you start thinking that you need to do. And maybe you do need to do them. I don't know. You're going to tell me, (laughs) but it's good to know that there are some helpful things that we can do. And I love how you guys promote integrating, seeing your your social media, integrating that speech therapy strategies into the everyday routine. So yes, let's get into that. Like, How can you elaborate more on how parents can do this and why it's so effective? So I think that's what it's all about. Like, That's why I think our children were early talkers. And that is the process is how parents can incorporate simple strategies and tips and techniques into the everyday routines that you're doing with your child because you do them every single day, multiple times a day, such as, I mean, eating, dressing, bath time. Getting in and out of the car. I, I mean, just anything you do on a daily basis can be used. We don't want parents to feel like they have to sit down and like you said, like, massage your child's mouth or like carve out 30 minutes for speech therapy time. No. And that is going to be less effective anyway, because repetition is so key at their age, right? So these routines, they are repetitive. They're happening day in and day out. And you can add language to them that your child will hear over and over again and will eventually pick up and learn for themselves. Yeah. It's not about sitting down and doing speech therapy. I think that is not practical. It's not realistic. We are busy moms in yes. 2022 and <laughs> dealing with a lot of things on our plate, juggling a lot of things. So it's how to like make it very natural while you do what you do every day. And to the point where like you don't even need to think about it. Exactly. We try to make it super simple and easy to implement. So we talk a lot about repeating. Uh, like I just said that the rep- you know the routines are repetitive, but even within those routines, repeat the words that you are saying to your child. The more you repeat, the more your child will remember. And as you repeat a word, let's say it's you know a noun, right? It's a thing. You're talking about a ball. Hold that ball up. Show them the ball as you're repeating the word three to five times because that allows your child to connect the word with the actual meaning. And it's not only for nouns like that. You can be jumping up and down, doing a verb and showing them and say, jump, jump, or dance, dance, run, run. And I mean, colors, adjectives, all of those things as well. Pronouns, you can tap yourself and say me or my to show them that. Always try to show as you say. We say, we tell parents, say and do. And then additionally, I think we are told as parents, like, talk to your baby, talk to your toddler. And that is what we want parents to do. But not often are we told how to talk to them. Yes. Yes. Please tell me how to do that because I feel like I narrate everything that I do, but like, am I doing this wrong? <laughs> so sometimes it is too much. Sometimes it is a little bit too much language. It's over their head. And sometimes we do have to simplify. Mm-hmm. So kind of scaling back and speaking to them in shorter utterances, shorter phrases, so that they can really start to process and understand what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, Slowing down. Sometimes I think because we're in such a rush in today's day and age, we can say, okay, come on, let's go get our shoes on. And then we're going to go get in the car. And then we're going to go to Starbucks because mommy needs a coffee. And it's just a stream of conscious that's a little fast paced. So saying things short, 
and sweet and in the moment that they're happening can really, really help a child start processing language in a much more effective and efficient way. Yeah, it's very effective. Those are some awesome tips. Oh, man. Because yes, I think that's maybe you're right. I feel like especially in America, we just talk a mile a minute. (laughs) And we need to slow things down and seeing how we pronounce things that those are just awesome, awesome, awesome tips. What are some easy and fun tips and tricks that parents can use in their everyday life to get their kid talking? Those are some great ones. But like for you, maybe what are your favorites? We were just saying to show an item. I love showing an item and holding it right near my mouth. So if I was going to say the word ball, I really hold that item right next to my mouth. I articulate the word. I exaggerate it. It's a ball. And I let my lips burst when that B comes out and get face to face with them so that they're watching your mouth as you articulate it. Because the more you are positioned face to face and they're watching you articulate and they see that object and they're watching your mouth and your articulators, the faster they're going to pick up on how to produce that word independently. Another thing that is kind of thinking outside the box a little bit, but you know, there are a bajillion toys out there that every parent thinks their child needs or wants, and many of them they do. But what most parents don't know is that their absolute their child's absolute favorite toy is the parent. Mm-hmm. So if you get rid of all the toys and you just get down on your child's level and you have a moment with them, an interaction with them where you are being playful and maybe it's peekaboo, maybe it's tickle. I mean, there are so many different things. The chances of having a communication opportunity in that moment when it is just the two of you is much more likely than when you add a third thing into that interaction when you add a toy. Because your child then does not have to shift their attention between you and a toy. They just have to focus on you. And if they're super motivated by you hiding under a blanket and popping out and saying, boo, and then you do it again and you go under the blanket and you do it again and say, boo, and then you wait, right? You wait a second. Are they going to send you a message? Probably. They may not say more or boo, but they might point and gesture. And that's all communication too. So we want to take that as any type of communication opportunity is a great way to build a child's language and have a good language interaction to help your child start talking. That is amazing. And I think you said something, point or gesture. Now, that makes me think of baby sign language. What is y'all's thoughts on that? Uh, Because sometimes right now, I have a 14-month-old daughter. She's not saying more yet, but she's signing it. Is that something that you also promote doing while they're also working on saying the words? What, What are your thoughts? Yes, we love baby sign. We think it is um, super effective and really helpful when a child is not yet verbally communicating. If they are able to use a sign to get their message across, that is very powerful. And it can also take a lot of frustration away. And we are all for it. Research shows that it does not delay a child's language or verbal language. So we are all for it. We just, if the intent is to have your child speak verbally, then you do want to pair away word with that sign so that they're getting the word. And then eventually you would start to take that sign away. You would not model the sign as much and you would just say the word and then your child would start to just say the word. Okay. That's good to know. That's helpful because I've we've talked to other baby sign language experts, but of co- I think of course they're going to <laughs> recommend it. Um, right, right. But I wanted to know from the speech sisters, I'm like, okay, is that also something that you guys recommend to, to help with that development of speech? 
Absolutely. Awesome. So what are there any like common mistakes that parents make when trying to teach their child to talk? Definitely. I think as parents, we all tend to make similar mistakes. Like when we're trying, even and Brooke and I are even guilty of this, when we're trying to get our little one or when we were trying to get our little ones to talk or even a client, a lot of times we'll say, say moo, right? And we tell them to say something. And that sometimes can deter a child from actually saying it. The better thing is to eliminate the word say and just you repeat the word moo, 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 maybe grab a cow, make it really fun and then wait and give your child an opportunity to say it without putting that talking pressure on them. Yeah, that's, so that's one common mistake that we see. And another one that is very common and very tricky to stop doing, even as a therapist, this is hard, but we don't always give children the talking time that they need or the mm-hmm. processing time. So we don't wait and give them a chance to talk. So we are constantly talking at them because we're supposed to to bring build their language. But sometimes silence is very powerful. And if you're quiet and you wait, they just might say something back or communicate something to you. So that is, and it is hard. It is hard, as hard as a parent, as hard as a therapist. It's really, really hard, but it is so powerful when you wait and give your child a chance to process what you've said and see if they can respond back to you. And I think just to piggyback off of that, another mistake that we we often see and are guilty of ourselves is asking too many questions. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're reading a book with a child and you're like, oh, where's the moon? Where's the cow? What's the cow say? What's right? We're like just constantly kind of quizzing our little ones. The more effective way, we still want to expose our children to questions, of course, but we always say like, try to alternate your comments and questions. So you might say, oh, it's a cow. He's jumping over the moon. Where's the moon? Right? So I went comment, comment, and then I put in a question. And then I want to wait and give them a chance to respond. Oh, this is great. I'm now curious. How long should parents wait, though? I mean, because if you're just waiting and waiting... I understand we don't want to interject because, yes, we're talking to them all the time. But how long should that pause be until we bring up a comment, comment question or do something else? What What is your recommendation on that? Like five to 10 seconds. Yeah. But 10 seconds can seem really long. I feel like I'm more of a five second kind of gal. I know. <laughs> there's, not, there's not a perfect answer to that. You know, I think sometimes you'll wait two seconds and your kid runs away and then right. you're done. You know, it's over. You also Uh, know if your child's like, if your child's only 14 months old and like you were saying, your little one, like maybe she's not saying moon yet or something like that. If you say, what's that? While you're looking at goodnight moon. So you have to know your child too and know what you can expect from them. And in that case, you might say, what's that? It's a moon moon. Right. And you're asking and you're answering the question. And then after you do that for a month or so, and she's ready a couple months later, you can say, what's that? And then you wait. And hopefully she'll say moon because you asked and you answered that question so many times and modeled it for her. That's a really great tip to be able to answer for them. And that, again, what you guys said, repetition, so helpful. Having heard that multiple times with their routine and then giving them that space, that five to 10 seconds to allow them to answer it for themselves when you feel that they are probably, hopefully, ready. Yes. We got it? Yes. Okay. That's it. Right. Got it. 
So Bridget Inbrook, what is your best advice to parents when teaching their children to communicate? You've already given us some top ones, but we are, we're basically trying to milk out everything we can out of y'all. Is there something that you see as like the most effective? You've said like putting the object next to your face, repeating what we say, slowing down. I should probably listen to some of these things right now. (laughs) Is there something else that you have seen that's been most effective for your, your clients? I think it's important for parents to know what to expect and not to expect too much too soon. So have realistic expectations for your little one. Know the communication milestones. Like that's why we have the free communication milestones checklist because it can be really helpful to know what your child should be doing for that age group. And if they are doing everything, then you just move forward, right? Like you know what to work on next and you know what to expect. And in addition to that, also understanding that so often we'll go into a home and when we're evaluating a child and a parent will say, well, he's not really talking, but he can, he knows all of his ABCs and all of his numbers and colors too, but he can't ask for help or say hi or mama. And so there's something called functional language over academic language. We really like to get that across to our parents and the people that we're educating to show that functional language really needs to come first. And what that is, is teaching your child words that will get their wants and needs met. Words like help or more, all done, things like that, that'll help during the everyday routines that you're doing. Versus academic language, which is more learning ABCs, colors, numbers, shapes. And all of that's very important. Yes. When the time is right, you want to make sure that your child has some words to get their wants and needs met first to help decrease frustration, not only for the child, but for parents too. And then once some of those words, those functional words are mastered, then you can go on to teach that academic language. That makes so much sense. And I'm curious, this just kind of sparked something in my head. I don't think that screen time is always a bad thing. I think we've demonized screen time, but I do notice that children who have a lot of screen time don't have as much of that personable communication and it's more of the quizzing kind of communication. Do you find that to be accurate or or no? I think they're Definitely could be truth to that, where it's more rote learning, yes, right? Maybe yes. a little bit more scripted. They're they're learning what they hear. If they're watching something over and over again, they might repeat that phrase over and over again. So yes, there is definitely some truth to that. We are actually holding a webinar on uh, called Solving Screen Time Struggles. So it's all about screen time and the struggles that come along with it, but the reality of it and how parents can navigate it and kind of do it and use it the best that they can. We actually have that coming up at the end of the month. So we're super excited about that because it is a really challenging area. Yeah, it's hard to navigate, but it's not all bad, right, you know, right. as long as the parent is doing it um, mindfully and knows, you know, the, the limits and, and expectations and also how to get your child to actually learn from the experience. Yes. And that's why I wanted to preface by saying, I know it's not all bad, but I, I am wondering, you know, what you've seen with that and, and working with parents. But we definitely want to get those details about that webinar. Is that something that will then be available or is it only like a one-time kind of thing? It'll be a one one night live oh, event. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
I know. But we host it a couple times a year. We do. Oh, good. Okay. So we'll still list that information because I was going to say, I think this episode goes live after that webinar, but we'll still be able to then link it if you guys do host it more than once. So that's great. Amazing. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And I'm curious for y'all, since you see so many families, are there any client success stories that just stand out to you that just might inspire parents who are listening? I actually have a great one that just I happened um, a few weeks ago, actually. We worked, Bridget and I both worked with this child um, from the time we evaluated him when he was two years old and he was not talking yet. Even his receptive language was delayed. And we went in and we worked with him a lot, multiple times a week for many, many years. He got a diagnosis of autism. Yeah, he did end up having a diagnosis of autism, but he he came very far in the time that we worked with him. And probably, I don't know, we probably stopped working with him maybe four years ago, around that time. And I just ran into him and he was, so now he, he, he's 10, he'll be 11 soon. And he was, I was blown away. I was blown away by how far he has come, his language skills, his social so, skills. His social skills. I mean, everything. I felt like I just wanted to give him a hug and cry. And like, I was so happy because it's rare that we get to see a child eight years later. Typically, they've phased out by then or moved on or whatever it is. And so that was such an amazing success story because he was a child that we worked with for many, many, many years. And we worked with him day in and day out. And wow, did it pay off? Did he come so far? So that's probably my best one. I mean, I just, yeah. and it's fresh in my mind because I just yeah. saw him. It was so great. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, and that just warms my heart. I actually have a twin brother who has autism. And so we were at the speech language pathologist's office all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very familiar. <laughs> it's so true. The work that is done at that early age to build that language and development is is crucial. And I never thought about it in, in your perspective, because you're right, you never get to see them after that time and what what comes of of all of that work. And, and then you get to see this thriving person. So how yeah, beautiful is that? We have so many other success stories and testimonies, like just on our Instagram from people who have used our courses across the globe, even yeah. like we have them in our story highlight button under testimonials, I believe. And it's nice sometimes for parents to see that as well, just mm-hmm. how parents have struggled or they were in speech therapy, but they didn't know what to do at home or they weren't ready for speech therapy yet. And they were doing the wait and see period or whatever it may be. So many different cases and scenarios that have had amazing success in helping their children progress and move forward. Yeah. And knowing that they're not alone, reading those stories and knowing that, okay, I'm not the only one who has had these concerns or these issues that we've had to overcome. And But yeah, I was just curious because it's nice to hear from y'all, like your favorite stories too. So that I loved hearing that one. So thank you so much for that, Brooke. Are there any resources, obviously you guys, and we want to get all those details, but are, are there other resources? Because we talked about how you guys are following, you know, the Mayo uh, guidelines, but anything that you recommend that our listeners look into to learn more about when it comes to getting their child talking? The American Speech and Hearing Association is fabulous. We are accredited through them, and they are kind of our go-to resource for everything. Mm -hmm. But their site is also great for parents as well. Um, 
looking at our blogs. There's so mm-hmm. many blogs that we have for free on our website, and parents can use those as resources to help guide their child. Obviously, you can go the route of working with a speech therapist or consulting with a speech therapist. Um, and then I think having access to courses like we have to help parents in a little bit more of a detailed way. We also have recently started a masterclass where we take on select families and guide them over a five to six week period. And we meet with them weekly. And that's a more intimate hand-holding approach for parents who need a little bit more uh, than just the courses doing that on their own. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I know, I'm sure there's so many different levels of assistance people need and Sometimes they just need a few tips and tricks and doing that will help. But sometimes it's like, no, I need some extra help. So that's that's wonderful. But that's super helpful. Thank you so much. And just any final thoughts or advice for our listeners that you guys have? We'd love to know. Don't lose hope. Just stay yeah. consistent. It can it can be daunting when you're having a child who's struggling with speech and or language. And it's easy to feel like, okay, this isn't working. And what else should I do? But it does take time. It's it's not something that just happens overnight. It's a process. Stick with it. Yeah. Be consistent. And get involved. If your child is working with a speech therapist in any capacity. Get involved, figure out what they're doing, learn what you can be doing at home because your child is only with that therapist for a short period of time, but they are with typically at home with a parent for much, much more time. So what a parent does is very powerful. Yeah. And that goes back to those everyday routines. Yes. You know, you can follow our Instagram for that or the courses or blogs or whatever it is, but just knowing different tips and strategies that you can use during those everyday routines to help maximize your child's speech and language development and help them grow and progress. And that also just dawned another question that I have. What about parents who have to send their child to daycare early and they're not getting that time to do all of these wonderful things that you guys are giving tips on and they have to drop off their little one at 6.30, 7 in the morning and can't pick them up until 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the evening. And then they're like, I only have so much time. And, and what do you say to those parents? They're still going through routines with their child. So getting up in the morning, getting dressed, having breakfast, getting in and out of the car along their drive, dropping off. They might not be the same routines that maybe other families are doing, but they still are routines and they're happening every day. Uh And on those weekends. And weekends. And those opportunities should not be missed because they are maybe a little bit less, but can still be so so important important and so powerful and so effective. And you're a child who is in daycare. They're getting so many language learning opportunities there as well, as well as social language. And I mean, that's a whole other kind of area of language development that is huge when you're in daycare or preschool or that kind of thing. But parents that you still have that time, you do, you just, you got to dive into it and recognize it. Yeah. Awesome. That gives working parents some hope too, because it can feel a little, you know, just 
a little depressing. Like, oh, I, I can't do all of these awesome yeah. things as much as other moms can. So, and as a working mom myself, I drop my kids off at daycare and I'm like, yeah, maybe I need to talk to their teachers more. You know, whatever it is. Same. Yeah. I was, you know, it's we started writing our second course and really develop or our first course in developing speech sisters when Stella was three months old. And I was working full time for sure, starting at three months after having her. Yeah. And I did all of the things that we talk about and teach and educate. And I just did them before seven o'clock in the morning and when it was done around four and then on the weekends and she picked up on it so well. Yes. So well. So yeah. don't lose hope to That's all those right. mamas that I was there too. Yeah. Oh, another success story. See, amazing. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> awesome. And ladies, do you have just anything new and exciting going on that we need to know about? We, I, we're always trying to come up with new things, new ideas. We had like a screen time workshop will be coming up and we will run mm-hmm. that again and again. Bridget mm-hmm. talked a little bit about our master class, which allows us to be live and, and a little more intimate with families that really need help. We're going to be doing that two to three times a year. We, Next time would be October. Yeah. We are getting ready to launch at the end of the summer an articulation course. So this is more about like speech sound development and how parents can dive into that. That's a whole other area of So once your child does start talking, if you can't understand them, how do you get them saying the M sound when they say me or mama or whatever it is, or the T sound or the D sound? Or the L's. I feel like it's the L's. It's always a W. (laughs) Very common. You're going to dive into it all. Yeah. And, you know, down the line, gosh, we'd love to have books and toys and all of that stuff to help support families in building their child's language. Well, the sky's the limit. You guys are awesome doing such a great job already. So we'll have to include all these details in the show notes. So we're just, yeah, so excited for y'all. And tell us again where our listeners can find you guys. So on Instagram, we're at Speech Sisters. And then our website is SpeechSisters.com. I mean, how simple is that? I love how those uh, they were both available. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Easy. Well, this was so helpful and informative, Brooke and Bridget. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge and your passion with us. I know that this is just going to help so many parents. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Our pleasure. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Speech Sisters, you can visit them on their website at speechsisters.com or on Instagram, as they said, at Speech Sisters. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to getting your children talking.